Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi church, here we are in beautiful January, that lovely hazy summer feel. Hope you had a good Christmas and New Year. I've had three weeks off, so I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. Uh, I want to share on the book of Job. I'm going to actually do the whole book in 20 minutes. Uh, I want to thank Deb Sherwood for doing some research for me that really helped me out as well. Uh, This time last year, COVID was about to hit and we didn't know it. And it was probably in a way a bit of a Job season that it ushered in. And there's some really interesting things to learn from the book of Job. It was a book written a long time after its events occurred. It's very early in biblical history, around 950 BC. Israel didn't exist at Job's time. Moses was likely the author. He lived in an adjacent land and often wrote of various historical things like Adam and Eve. Job lived just after Babel and before Abraham. He knew firsthand about Noah. We're not sure if he'd actually spoken to Noah in person. And also it describes his riches were measured by his livestock, not his amount of gold. And that that happened a long time ago. Now, here's what the whole book's about. The book is written to answer the question, why do the righteous suffer? It's an Old Testament book that addresses the issue of suffering. Wow. Then gives no answer, but tells us to trust God rather than to seek understanding. That feels a bit like it's fobbed us, but let me go deeper and and we'll learn some things that really help. Um, The summary of the book in one sentence is this. After much discussion with his godly friends, God shows up, reveals himself to Job. Job puts his hand over his own mouth and decides to trust God and is restored and God vindicates his trust. Uh, In the New Testament, there's about five or six different references to Job, referring to him as one of the three greatest men in the Old Testament. Um, In Romans 8.35, it does the amazing quote out of Job about God owes us nothing. And in that sense, God blesses us by grace and not by debt. He doesn't doesn't owe us. Second thing I wanted to say just in transition is Job suffered because God was contending with Satan in the courts of heaven. Job suffered as a third party. It's like us uh, in our relationships or in our marriage. Sometimes if the parents aren't getting on and they're struggling, that can cause the kids to struggle. Sometimes you would have been a third party that's just struggled because someone else is having a battle. Other people get affected by our battles. There was an interesting debate in heaven took place. And just before I take you into some scriptures, the debate was this. Satan accused Job before God, saying that his faith was untested. Everyone goes well under blessing, but it's not real faith if it doesn't carry you through trial. Satan, after success with Adam and Eve and Cain, is confident he can ruin Job. To avoid shams of faith that isn't real faith, God allows unfair suffering, not deserved suffering, unfair suffering. Because Job had received a lot of grace already that was unfair blessing. So we see this interesting contrast. How does he go under unfair suffering? 
Job's friends knew nothing of the heavenly realm and its legal and justice battles that take place. Their explanations to him about why suffering happens are completely useless and ungodly. They're sincere. They're each quite nice people at different stages, but just their answers are wrong and tricky. Let, let, me, let me move on. So, summary. There's 42 chapters in Job, and just let me just glance through them. Job is blameless, upright. He fears God. He shuns evil. He's the richest man in the earth at that time. And the Bible says, when the days of feasting had run their course. So for all of us, there's good seasons and there's bad seasons. And sometimes when the good season has run its course, we get the shock of the trials that come in the tough seasons. He first tested by losing lots of things that he owned. And then secondly, he's tested by an attack on his personal health. And it says an amazing thing. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That, that, that's amazing because I think as humans sometimes when it's tough and we don't understand it, we are tempted by the enemy to accuse God of wrongdoing. You have to be very careful of that. In, in fact, at one point, this is how bad it was. In Job 2.13, he says his friends loved him but could not recognize him because in his body he was suffering so much and they wept. And it says this, so they sat down with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. No one spoke a word to him for they saw that his grief was great. This bit they got right. Sometimes it's just holding someone's hand and not trying to have answers. And it shows that they really were good people and good friends. Uh, just want to sum up what the three of them said. They were good people trying to help, but they had the wrong answers. Eliphaz is saying to him, You're, you've sinned and this is God's punishment. And Job's answer to that is, well, show me kindness, not judgment. Pray for relief for me then. Bildad says, uh, you need to repent. Only the wicked are punished. And Job says, it's not punishment, it's just suffering. Zophar says to him, you're suffering, but not as much as you deserve. He was trying to find a kind of grace in it. Uh, and Job says, God uncovers deep things out of the darkness. And just in Job's life, in chapter 13, there's a turning point where he says that beautiful scripture, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It's like he's at his lowest ebb and he chooses to still trust God. In chapter 19, hope re-enters and he said, my redeemer lives, my eyes shall behold him. In chapter 27, Job is still holding tight to his integrity but seems to be fighting a losing battle. But in chapter 28, he changes some of his beliefs. I hope you're able to change some of your beliefs at God's bidding. Job changes his beliefs. He's been refined by the fire. He has a rethink and he says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he's stopped trying to seek understanding and now he's just looking at God and grabbing onto God. God comes then and reveals himself, but he, he does it this way. He does it quite sternly at first because Job and his friends are all asking God questions and God thinking God owes them an account of himself and, and God comes and reveals himself because, okay, I'm going to question you, Job. And God spends four chapters asking Job questions about creation. Explain the lightning to me. Explain the thunder to me. Explain me how things can live in the depths of the sea. 
And do you know what? In those four chapters, this is around chapter 38, it's the greatest discourse on creation in all the scripture. There is more insight about creation in that section than even revealed by Genesis. So that's very interesting. Uh, also in that section, uh, Job is not a flat earther, which everyone else was at the time. He says this. He talks about God. He said he drew a circular horizon in the face of the waters, and he walks above the circle of the heavens. He wasn't a flat earther, which was remarkable for that time in history. Chapter 40, Job really starts to hit it. I am vile. What shall I answer? I lay my hand over my mouth. And he says, sorry, God, I repent. I have uttered what I do not understand. Your ways are too wonderful for me. I have heard you and seen you, and I repent. And at that point, God immediately lifts him up. Then God confronts Job's friends and says to them, you have spoken of me what is not right. You need to offer me an offering and go to Job who has truth. I will accept Job's prayer for you so it won't punish you, so, so that I won't punish you as you deserve. And then Job has a double blessing and he goes on to live many days, another 140 years, and it says he died old and full of days. I'm not sure what full of days means, but... I think he was just in good condition and God took him home. So to finish, we're nearly finished. The three lessons we learned from Job. Number one, understanding is good but not above trust. Uh, in my emotional needs, my highest need is to be understood. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So really, I rate understanding too high. <laughs> it needs to come down. This is a lesson for me. It needs to come down a few pegs, and I need to elevate trust over understanding. There are many things happening in the spiritual realm we know nothing about, and sometimes it's useless trying to explain the issues of life. Number two, bad things can happen to good people. In my life as a pastor, this one really throws people. So people go haywire in their theology with this one. Bad things can happen to good people and good things can happen to bad people. So you can't judge, please hear this, you can't judge a person's spirituality just by their trials and successes. It's what happens in a person, not to a person, that determines their spirituality. And the third one, suffering eventually ends and reward and restoration are granted. So don't abandon or accuse God in the midst of the suffering test, even when there is no explanation. Occasionally, I don't see this a lot, but I do occasionally, it comes up from time to time. A Christian's going really well. You know how Paul said, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? I've seen it where a Christian's going quite well, and they get completely stumbled by someone else's suffering or by what someone else is going through. And they judge God, and they accuse God, and they backslide because they think God is wrong. Don't do that. Just judge it out of your own testimony, not someone else's. Don't abandon or accuse God in the suffering test, even when there's no explanation. <coughs> Pardon me. Perseverance in faith through trust is the key element to sustaining resilience. Job couldn't answer the suffering question, but he embraced trust in God in all things. 
Divine wisdom is priceless and man can't attain it, it says in Job. God possesses it, so stay in him. It's a bit like, there's a challenge in Job that I haven't seen much in the rest of Scripture. It's a bit like, it's a bit like saying, God's got all the answers, so you don't need to know them. So don't go to him for the answers. Just stay in him, trust him. He'll take care of it. It's a bit like if you're a child at school and you're worried about your family's finances, I'm sure your parents would say, just trust us, it'll work out. We know what to do. You, you don't want your kids worrying about that stuff. The real matter is not wise suffering. The, matter, the real matter is God is wise, stay in him. His wisdom will work for you and works outside of you without you having to worry about it all the time. I just wrote this as, as a finishing thought. It's a bit deep, but see what you think. These matters take time. I was talking about the matters of suffering and trials. They do take time. They do demand waiting and they demand patience. The real test, therefore, could be time. And the anecdote is trust. That's the answer to something taking too long. It's just stay in trust, stay in trust, stay in trust. I'm old enough now to have seen the most amazing things turn around over time because God does deep works and brings about incredible victories. He's never in a rush, but he's always on time. God bless your church. Love. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.